Hello, and welcome to The World As We Know It, a history and geography podcast where you're invited to an audio tour of each of the world's 197 sovereign hey, states. that sounds like a right number. That is the right number. Final, final answer. <laughs> My name is Brad. And I'm Kiki, and as always, we are hosts. This week, our discussion is on the nation of... Yemen! We just heard a little bit of the national anthem of Yemen, and we're going to begin this episode with some overall thoughts, and then, as always, our initial familiarity ratings. Well, I'm going to say that I for sure know nothing about Yemen. My familiarity rating is a zero. Any overall thoughts for the country? Any um, hopes going in? Well, I do know that it's um, in a pretty controversial area of the Middle East. So the um, Middle East. Yeah, yeah, it's in the Middle East. <laughs> um, I guess from from like my my preconceived notions are that it's not going to be a very culturally progressive place. Um, okay. I wish the best. I hope that everything turns out okay for them. <laughs> Spoiler alert: It may not, <laughs> at least for now. Uh, but I, I'm excited to learn more. Cool. Um, so my familiarity rating is going to be low as well. I think I'm going to come into the episode with a 2.5. I mean, when someone says Yemen prior to my research, you know, I knew there were things going on there. I've heard the, heard the name before. Um, a little benchmark I kind of use is if someone says the, like, the country's name, can I find it on a map immediately? And for Yemen, I know I can. So 2.5 going in. Some overall thoughts. Um, you know, I was aware before research of, you know, some conflict going on there. A lot of controversy. I've seen the, the, the country in the headlines recently. Um, and so um, getting into the snapshot of the country, we're going to s- learn more about it and hopefully find out some of the reasoning behind what's going on there. All right, so going into it, uh, we already mentioned that Yemen is located in the Middle East. Uh, their country's motto, I'm going to just say it in English because I don't want to attempt Arabic. Yeah, it's but it's difficult. God, country, revolution, and unity. And the anthem is called United Republic, which you heard just moments ago. The largest city and capital is Sana'a, but the de facto capital is Aden, is that right? I think it's Aden, yeah. Uh, the 2016 population estimate is 27,584,213. They've got a total area of 203,850 square miles. Sorry, rattling off big numbers is not my best skill. Uh, that makes it the second largest Arabian Peninsula country. The official language is Arabic. The official religion is Islam. I'm pretty sure it's about 100% there. I, I'm, without, without a doubt. There may be a, there's a small, small yeah, there's faction like of like people. Jewish people. Sick. I think, I think actually there was like 50. Like they had a number for it. There was 50 <laughs> Jewish people in Yemen. Good for them. <laughs> uh, the currency is the Yemani Rial. The demonym, so a person who is from Yemen, is called Yemani or a Yemenite. The government is a unitary provincial government with President uh, Abdrabuba. Adrabuba, that looks about right. Um, sorry, Adrabuba, if I am wrong. Mansur Hadi is his name. The prime minister is Ahmed Obaid bin Dar. Dagar. 
Um, just to clarify, at this point in the podcast, we do try our best with these names. I've listened to a thousand pronunciation things. It just doesn't really stick. We're doing our best. Um, please let us know what we can do to get better um, and help us out if you can. So it was established as a country as the Yemen Arab Republic on September 26, 1962, and established independence on November 30th, 1967. Um, so that was the North and South Yemen, excuse me. And then they are unified together on May 22nd, 1990. The current constitution was adopted on May 16th, 1991. So, Brad, why don't you take us back to antiquity? All right, so getting back into some history, we're going to first start um, way before the Common Era in B.C. And the, Rep the Republic of Yemen has a storied history going all the way back to, um, I mean, prehistory. And then... The earliest kind of civilization, things we have on record, go back to like a, a 1000 BC with the f official trading routes of frankincense um, and the created state of Sabah, which is centered around those trade routes in present day Yemen. Um, it was very tribal culture back then. I think the citizens worshipped idols. Um, in um, 395 AD, um, Christianity was named the new state religion by the Holy Roman Emperor Theodosius. Theodosius? Um, Christians were reluctant to use and trade frankincense, um, though, and this caused a decline. Um, notable events in, pre in history include um, the dam at Marib broke in 570 AD. There was a terrible drought in Sabah. Um, in 575, the Persians took control, and it was the Persians who first instituted a conversion to Islam in 628. Um, and a big detail that happened in 628 was that um, this was when Islam came to Yemen. Um, I think six, 630 AD was around Muhammad's lifetime and the rule of the Persian governor uh, Badhan. And this begins the... So during the traditional Middle Age period of, the, of Europe, you have in Yemen, however, this, um, these, these dynasties and families of um, these Islamic dynasties. And so kind of from the 630 time mark all the way until the 1500s, you have... Um, a different succession of families that includes the the Ziyadids from the 800 ADs to around um, 1000 AD, uh, the Nahyadids from 1000 AD to around uh, 1100, the Egyptian um, uh, uh, family dynasty, the Ayyubids from 1100 to around 1200, and then the Turkoman Razulids, uh, and they rule up until almost the year 1500. Good job on those names. Um, lots of practice went into that, and it still didn't sound very good. Um, yeah, but this is a really long time period, um, beginning with the age of Muhammad, into these um, uh, these dynasties that originate from the caliphates. And so you have a very wrong, uh, long and rich history of Islam in Yemen. And this kind of um, also pervades the entire peninsula, but it's especially important to Yemen, uh, Yemen's history. Um, because the next um, kind of big thing that happens in their history is that the Turkish Ottomans gained power in 1513. And of course, the Ottomans are more of a traditionally understood power, power group as far as Western culture, so that name has some recognition with us. Um, Ottoman control in 1636, they ended that final dynasty group, the, uh, the Zayaidis and the Imams that were in power. Um, and Ottoman rule kind of continued until what I consider like modernish kind of history. So in 1839, uh, this colonial power kind of comes in the scene. The British take control of the port of Aden. 
and in 1869 you have kind of a big uh, big moment when the Suez Canal is opened and that's big for Yemen because they sit bordering um, the seas that are linked with the Suez Canal um, and then we get into the 1900s and 20th century um, in 1905 you have the Violet Line established and this is kind of an informal line drawn across Arabia with the Turks in the north and the British in the south and this kind of has this this dynamic um, structured where you're going to have some some fault lines later with the Ottoman Empire and the British colonialists. Um, in 1918, the Ottoman Empire is dissolved, and that's when North Yemen gains independence, ruled by the Imam Yaha. Um, in 1934, you have treaties with Britain and Saudi Arabia signed with that Imam, and this establishes the the borders of the North and the South states of, Yeme of Yemeni. In 1948, uh, Imam Yaha is assassinated, and his son becomes Imam. Um, his son later survives an assassination attempt in 1955. And then in 1958, North Yemen joins Egypt, Syria, and the Union of Arab States. Brad, can I interrupt really quick and ask Man. you what an Imam is? You've mentioned that a few times. So an Imam is um, it's a person who leads prayers in a mosque, um, but that's the current day term, uh, Kind of in the past, he was used as a like kind of a, a Muslim leader. So a community um, leader or like yeah. a, a, um, maybe a political figure in some cases? I think technically it refers to the leader of uh, in the Shiite Islam, um, sect of Islam, um, someone who succeeds Muhammad as leader. Okay. So, yeah. That's just good to know. Good for me to learn. Good for our listeners to learn. I just wanted to check so that I understand what you're saying. No, awesome. Yeah, I'm using that word a lot. Um, so after... Um, Imam Yaha's son survived that assassination attempt, and the Union of Arab States was formed. Um, Ahmad, Ahmed, his son, succeeded by his son, Al-Badir. Al-Badir is overthrown, however, in 1962 by the army, and this kind of starts a trend of different factions in Yemen rebelling against the government, against the government and kind of taking control of the area of the state. Uh, in, six, in 1967, the People's Democratic Republic of Yemen is founded in southern Yemen after the British have left that port city of Aden. Um, and then there's a crackdown on dissidents in the seven, early 70s. Thousands flee to the northern Yemen state. Um, this leads to lots of tensions and conflict. Uh, the Arab League, however, in the next year, brokered a ceasefire between those dissidents and the informal government. Um, 1975, North Yemen has their first nationwide elections. Um, and then 1978, after the original winner of those elections is murdered, Ali Abdullah Salah becomes president of the YRA. And Salah is going to be a prominent figure in Yemeni history, uh, I think for the next 20 years. Uh, his name keeps popping up and up. Um, he's a very prominent figure in the modern history. Um, so new fighting starts in 1979. Um, other notable events in this time period, 1982, an earthquake near Damar in North Yemen um, kills thousands of people, thousands more injured. Um, in 86, a new government is formed that includes extreme Marxist fashion after thousands had died in the political rivalry between the old factions. Um, in 86, furthermore, uh, President Ali Nasir Muhammad flees the country and another new government is formed. Um, Kind of another touchstone moment here. 1990 is when Iraq invaded Kuwait, and Yemen in that conflict sided with Iraq. In 1990, furthermore, the United Repu the Unified Republic of Yemen was established. 
Um, you remember those dates from the snapshot where North and South mm-hmm. were unified. And Salah, when we mentioned earlier, he becomes president of this first unified Republic of Yemen. Interesting fact, too, uh, Yemen's the only republic in the Arabian Peninsula of all those countries. Oh. Um, Good think, for them. I think the other ones are either kingdoms or some other term. Uh, no, I think that makes sense. I feel like I've heard similar things about the governance in that area. So I was surprised when I was looking up snapshot stuff that it wasn't um, a kingdom or under the governance of, I guess, a sheikdom. Is that an outdated term? Um, we'll find out later. I can, I can go through my notes and find the real term. But yeah, the only republic for sure. So good for them. Um, excuse me. In 92, there are riots with thousands of demonstrators over food prices. And those riots took place in major cities. Um, hundreds of arrests happened. So there's definitely some discontent with the new unified country. Uh, in 93, the ruling parties from the north and the south finally form a new coalition government after unification. However, in 94, members of that southern government um, are dismissed following political deadlock and fighting. So President Salah had to declare a state of emergency. He couldn't uh, rectify the, the um, differences between the two factions. Um, and rounding out the 1990s, um, northern forces took take control of Adin after there is um, a faction called the Al-Bayid um, declares independence of the Democratic Republic of Yemen, so the South tried to break away again. Um, at the turn of the century, Salah won the first re-election with 92% of the vote. Um, however, there's dark things on the horizon. In 2000, the U.S. Navy destroyer, the USS Cole, is attacked by suicide bombers while at dock in Adin. 17 were killed, uh, 39 were injured. Um, in 2000, furthermore, a bomb was exploded at the British Embassy. So there's definite um, big... Uh, traumatic events going on, um, definite unrest. Um, in 2001, following September 11th, the president of Yemen said he would join the fight against terrorism. So um, the U.S. thought they had an ally in the Middle East in Yemen. Now there are further bombing attacks. Um, uh, in 2004, uh, there's a cleric named Hussein al-Houthi, and he's killed by government forces. Um, this is a big, a big moment. Um, that leads to the, the future civil war, which is ongoing now. This is a very dense-looking timeline. It's For a, our audience who doesn't have a visual right now. It's a dense timeline. There's a, there's a lot of, of back and forth between um, who's rebelling against the government. And this year, what's the government do to fight back? There's casualties on both sides. Um, I kind of hit some, some high points, like President Salah wins his second re-election in 2006 with 77% of the vote. Um, there is a ceasefire... Um, accepted in 2007 to kind of the violence that was um, started with that first assassination of the cleric Al-Houthi. Um, however, the American embassy is attacked again in 2008. Um, there's more demonstrations in 2008. Um, uh, there are nine foreigners that are abducted in 2009. Um, three of them killed, six of them still missing. Um, so there's continued violence. Um, and this leads to President Salah 2011. He's injured in a rocket attack, and he's evacuated to Saudi Arabia. He's returned after his recovery. Um, but uh, in 2011, he has to transfer power to his first deputy, uh, Abrabuba Mansour Hadi, the current president, who was Naomi Butchard earlier. Um, and when, I butchered earlier. You, sound, you sounded pretty good when you said it. Um, and that leads to a unity government being formed in 2011. 2012, President Saleh leaves the country. 
and this leads to hopes of like a national dialogue starting, kind of ending some of the the conflicts and the tensions. However, in 2040, in 2014, 2040 has not happened yet <laughs> for our future <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I mean, we, um, we plan on making it big, so <laughs> hey, um, 2040 so <laughs> listeners, we're thinking of you. I hope the future is shiny in chrome. In 2014, in August, President Hadi sacks his entire cabinet, overturns a controversial fuels, fuel price rise, and this leads to anti-government protests and... Um, the Houthi rebels, which you've been hearing about in the news, uh, they're, they're really involved. Um, and this leads to kind of a Houthi takeover, like a, a real a middle, uh, civil war going on. Houthi rebels take control of, a, of most of the capital of Sana'a. They draft their own constitution. Um, oh, they actually reject first the constitution that was drafted by the government, um, put their own instead, which is accepted by neither party. Um, and this actually gets into 2015 when the Islamic State carries, it carries out some of its own first attacks in Yemen, um, suicide attacks on mosques, um, which um, is a big part of the, the current civil war, which is ongoing. Um, you have Houthi rebels trying to gain, um, trying to gain footing all throughout 2015, 2016. Um, UN-sponsored talks really go nowhere. Um, uh, there's U.S. raids on Al-Qaeda militants and civilians, um, and that's under President Donald Trump. So this is very, very recent things. Um, Houthis continue to fire missiles into Saudi Arabia as early as May 2017. And then going into 2018, you have Southern Yemeni separatists, which are backed by the UAE. Uh, they seek control of Aden. And there's just current jo- there's, uh, jostling nowadays back and back and forth. I think just now in the news... There was pushback between Saudi Arabia and UAE forces going to together attack a port city and try to uh, push back rebels and, and uh, prop up the government. So you have um, historical unrest leading into its uh, current day unrest. That's a lot of history. Yeah, I feel yeah. like uh, that's going to take us for a first break. Uh, for sure. And when we come back, we'll have an in-depth discussion of culture. And now we're just take a deep breath, Brad. Will do. See you after the break. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The World As We Know It. Uh, as is tradition, after our first break, we're going to kick things back off with a trip to Kiki in the flag corner. My favorite segment. Uh, so, there isn't... A lot to say about the flag of Yemen. It is beautiful like every other flag, but... In its own way, Kiki. In its own way. I'm, I'm not saying it's not, just compared to some of the other flags that we've seen through this podcast. It's not as involved. a little more simple. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. So the Yemeni, the Yemeni flag, excuse me, is red, white, and black uh, with... It's a tricolor, so all the panels are the same length. And it's red on top, white in the middle, and black on the bottom. The red stands for unity and bloodshed of martyrs, white for a bright future, and black for its dark past. Um, so I'd say a little more pessimistic for acknowledging that they've come from struggle, but optimistic because they're looking for the future. Uh, like that. Yeah. Uh, this is also what the flag was adopted when the two countries of North and South Yemen united. So the flag's birthday is also May 22nd, 1990. I'll put that on my calendar to celebrate the flag's birthday. I feel like we could always we could always celebrate flag birthdays in addition to our own birthdays. I'm sure every day is some flag's yeah, birthday. Even from countries where we're not from. <laughs> All right. So 
I guess now we will turn it into our conversation on politics and culture in Yemen. Yeah, I think we both discussed this during the break. It's going to be a little bit less of fun, lighthearted culture talk as far as movies and books and, you know, cuisine and culture goes. But we're going to talk about some cool stuff nonetheless. Yeah, on the break, we did hear a nice music clip from a Yemeni artist, too. Yeah, a Yemeni artist, too. And at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, he, he records in Israel, but he has Yemeni roots. Um, I mean, only to the fact that there are very few Jewish populations there now because of persecution and stuff. But a lot of people can trace their roots back there, and he's proud of it. He has some cool music. Um... Uh, one one cool thing we learned is that um, Yemen has a lot of you know heralding back to uh, biblical tales. Uh, I think Noah referred to the land of milk and honey. That was Yemen he was referring to, and then Kiki does some stuff about the Queen of Sheba. Yeah, so the Queen of Sheba, um, if you know your Bible or your Quran, is actually a, a pretty well known story in the book. I'm sorry, I'm not a biblical scholar, so I'm going to look this up really quick. Uh, she visits King Solomon. Um, and she is loaded. She's a beautiful lady. She's got a lot of stuff. Back in my church choir days, I do remember singing at least one psalm that referred to her. And from what I can tell, she doesn't seem like a bad woman Bible character. So that's pretty neat. I'll turn up. Um, hopefully, you'll let us know in the comments if we're wrong and we're deeply <laughs> offending anybody. <laughs> we're trying very hard not to do that, as you know. So another thing is Yemen isn't necessarily completely closed off to tourists either. There is a TripAdvisor page for it where and some attractions that people will go see when they're there. Some of the best ones to see from what we can tell are the mosques, um, the historical castles. There's some ancient buildings and beautiful, beautiful architecture if you're into that. There's also, as you mentioned before, Brad, 200 islands surrounding Yemen. Um, and a lot of them are open to tourists. There's a lot of beautiful beaches there. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to go to Yemen, there's I mean, stuff to do. It was pretty surprising, too. I think the southernmost island of that, that Yemen, uh, as part of their territory, it's like 250 miles south. It's off the coast of Somalia, actually. So you can go to Yemen without really going to Yemen. <laughs> yeah, that seems like a good thing. You have to like, take a nice vacation to Somalia. <laughs> yeah, the waters around Somalia are perfect this time of year. Um, but disclaimer, don't do that. <laughs> Uh, off camera, Brad, you also mentioned that Yemen is a great uh, cultural heritage spot for one of my favorite beverages, coffee. Off camera? Where's the camera, Kiki? I was, camera I was not privy to being filmed. <laughs> is the same word as microphone. Um, but yet you're, you're correct, though, in one of those things. Uh, so coffee, I think, was endemic and originates from Ethiopia. But the first place it was cultivated was in Yemen. And so... I think the etymology of the term that the Yemenis used to refer to coffee was the same word for wines. They treated it as like, like a beverage to be cultivated and created and made. And I think the ports of Yemen were the first ports in which coffee reached, you know, the the wider world, which is really, really cool, I think. Well, great. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll just take the helm again and just so some cool uh, cultural things. Um, it's customary for Yemeni males to carry around a uh, shambia, which is one of those short curved daggers you wear on your belt. And um, the handle of the shambia, the, the kind of the make of the hilt and handle, can show the social status of a person. Uh, but the dagger, by tradition, you know, as daggers do, helps keep people from picking fights with one another. I feel like that would stop me from fighting with people. <laughs> Big daggers are fighting deterrents, as it turns out. Um, 
Uh, Yemenis take much pride in their weddings traditions. An average wedding feast in Yemen lasts 21 days. That's a lot of celebrating. I also learned in my own research, uh, the common household in, in Yemeni culture is to have basically separate dwellings for men and women. So there's like one house, but there's a split huh. in the middle um, or it's divided, I'm going to guess, maybe a little less e- equal. <laughs> Um, I'm sure. But the, like, I'm sure, at least yeah. historically. Yeah, but it's nice that, like, I think that there is something to be said about having a separate dwelling where you have a woman's space and a man's space, if that's the culture you grew up in and you're used to it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I wonder if we're going to see that in some other Arab and Islamic countries also. And excuse me, I didn't mean to equate Arab and Islamic together. I understand that they are different things. But we're going to find out more about that as this podcast continues. Yeah, I think with with how early the influence of Islam comes to especially Yemen, like in like 630, I said, like AD, there's going to be a lot of cultural changes with that. And they're going to be uh, really like deep set and rooted and that leads to some interesting cultures. I mean, I learn, every, I learn something new every time I read about something um, like this is kind of cool. Um, there's a bush slash tree in Yemen called the uh, Kat. Q-A-T or K-H-A-T. That is a word I will play frequently in words with friends when I have a Q, an A, and a T. That's a pro tip. Um, so chewing cot leaves is a social pastime. Uh, um, locals have even known to give tourists like a branch or two if you want to join them. And the leaves act as a mild stimulant when you chew them, similar to the effects of nicotine in cigarettes. And kind of a corollary I've I've uh, I've gleaned is that it's kind of like the, uh, the use of the... In- of the coca leaves to the indigenous people of like the Andes mountains where they would like chew on the leaves as a stimulant. Um, I think it's just neat. Yeah. It's cool how people will find those things anywhere in the world and will have similar practices, even in cultures that from what we understand have had little to no contact at all. Um, let's see. Unfortunately though, it is a controlled substance in the United States, womp, um, womp. but it's production, sale and consumption are legal in Yemen, Djibouti, Kenya, Uganda, Ethiopia, and Somalia. Hey, so when we take our Somalian vacation to go to one of those islands. Um, a little more technical speak about it. It's a flowering plant native to the Horn of Africa and the Arabian Peninsula. Uh, that active ingredient that people are chewing it for is an alkaloid cathinone, which is an amphetamine-like stimulant. Ooh. And cause excitement, loss of appetite, and euphoria. Sign me up! <laughs> Where do I sign up for the cot? <laughs> um, in fact, there's a lot of cool um, indigenous flowering um, plants, the frankincense, or myr- frankincense and myrrh of uh, biblical renown. Yeah, those seem like some Jesus gifts to me. Jesus loved those gifts. He also liked the gold. Um, those are two luxury items that Yemen was known for in the past. Nowadays, however, uh, crude, crude oil and coffee are th- those main cultural exports. One thing that I remember researching, I don't think we brought it up in the snapshot, um, was that the Latin name of Yemen means something It's like Felixes. Yemeni. Well, I've heard this, yes. Yeah, it means, like, happy Yemen. Um, And I feel like that's a a note of hope that we might leave on. Oh, but, Brad, you tell me what you were going to say. Oh, I was going to say, like, we mentioned it was part of the Roman Empire, which you didn't know beforehand. Wasn't the Romans that gave it that name? is like Latin, right? The Felix is that Latin. Like Felixis Felices from Harry Potter. Makes you lucky. It's not quite chewing cot, but it's the closest thing you can get. (laughs) (laughs) Let it be known. You heard it here on this podcast first, folks. Felixes, Felices, and Cot slash cocaine are basically the same thing. <laughs> Accurate. Um, all right, Kiki. So 
you know, we covered a lot of stuff, a lot of cooler facts therein. Um, how would you give a familiar, familiarity rating post-podcast to Yemen? I feel... Starting from the, the V-bottom. From, yeah, because you, I started at a zero. I feel like there's so much more to learn about Yemen that is is prohibitive to us now. I feel like there's not a lot we can learn without talking to people from Yemen and understanding their stories um, and understanding their own cultural histories. I do think your timeline was really good. I think I, I feel like I know a two now. I feel like I'm where you nice. started this podcast. Um, but I'd like to do some research in my own about some of the details about those dynasties uh, and see kind of really how it fits in and how the cultural landscape is shaped by their histories. What about you? Um, so I'm in the kind of the interesting position where I started out at a 2 or a 2.5. I, I thought I knew about Yemen. I could put it out on a map. I talk a little bit about it, maybe hold them out in a conversation on the news. But having done some research, I'm going to say I actually gave myself a lower rating, going down to like a 1.5. I mean, I did not know the depth to which Yemeni history goes, culture, even the little um, details about like the factions and the groups. And like some are like extremely Marxist and communist and some are just like rebelling against like oppressive regimes. And there's so much there that I had no idea. I didn't even really scratch the surface for research. So I'm going down. Familiarity reading is reduced to like a 1.5. There's a lot there. The first for this podcast, <laughs> knowing less than when we started. But I feel like that's going to be something in the future as we approach these countries that don't show up as much in in a Western history lessons, except for when there's controversy there. Uh, so I guess that about concludes our discussion on Yemen. Yeah, that concludes our discussion for Yemen. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to get back into current events after the break. Great! Let's do it. Welcome back to the world as we know it. So what's happening in the world with you, Kiki? So, uh, mostly I just use this section to talk about the books I'm reading. This week I actually read three books. I read American Grown, The Story of the White House Garden by Michelle Obama. It was a little dated. It was kind of back in those Michelle Obama hates fat kids jokes <laughs> era. Get out there and um, trowel some dirt and lose some weight, kids. It was nice because I learned some stories about White House staff and about Michelle Obama because I just love her voice and listening to her talk. Wait, um, audiobook? Yeah, I was listening to her audiobook. Well, that's awesome. Um, I will not talk about this now, but if anybody asks me or tweets at me, I will tell you about the audiobook app that I use, but this is an unsponsored podcast. As of now. <laughs> but it's not audible, so... <laughs> 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 um, another book I read was co called Just the Funny Parts and a Few Hard Truths about sneaking into the Hollywood Boys Club by Nels Gavell. Um, I'm not sure about you, Brad, but Sabrina the Teenage Witch was one of my all-time favorite shows growing up. I'd well, still consider it a favorite show. Of what was the cat's name? Salem. Saberhagen. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Nels Gavell actually created the show. She left after the first season. Uh, and she's just a super funny woman. She talks about working for Letterman for like <laughs> six months. Um, and then just kind of getting misogyny out of it. 
She talks about all of her other projects and what she hopes to achieve. It was just a very interesting read. She actually helped cool. co-write Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg, the famous book. Heck yeah. So definitely recommend that. That's Just the Funny Parts by Nels Gavell. That's like the first part of the title. And what I'm reading right now is called All the Single Ladies by Rebecca Traster. It's the subheading or is uh, Unmarried Women and the Rise of the Independent Nation. And so far the book is kind of about how single women have gotten on what single women can hope to achieve um because full disclosure everybody i'm 25 um and maybe everyone in america depends on where you're from more rural areas people get married younger and more urban areas people get married older where i'm from all my friends are married yeah so it's kind of like one of those things that for women it's always in your present mind it's like if you get married when are you going to find someone to get married you even want to get married or do you just think you want to get married because it's expected so this book is kind of about questioning those norms. Um, right now I'm in like the historical section. I'm around the middle of the book about what single women did between like the 1800s and the early 1900s. Oh, that's fascinating. So it's a very good read. Again, it is called All the Single Ladies by Rebecca Traster. Next week I'll give you the full review on it. Again, I'm kind of in the middle right now. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been reading. Uh, other things... You'll be hearing this in the future, but Robert De Niro used profanity at the Tonys. How dare he? And So shocking, yeah. so brave. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so that's, that's what's happening in the world that I paid attention to this week. Uh, what about you, Brad? So I had not been reading anything per se, but I've been watching a lot of docs about World Cup past Watching documentaries teams. is reading... With, with your, your eyes. eyes and your ears. <laughs> it's reading with your eyes as opposed to other kinds of reading. You can read with Braille. You can. That's reading with your hands. <laughs> so I watched this one documentary in particular. I think it's called 11 to 1. It's Fox Sports is doing all the World Cup coverage this year, all the, all the games and matches and stuff. And they put out, put out a doc. And it goes past through all the different World Cup winning teams. And in terms of, like, a person close to the team or, like, a famous photograph that goes kind of into, like, the history you haven't heard about before. So, for example, I think that it's 1976 World Cup. I think Argentina wins. And there's a famous photograph of two Argentinian players on the field just after they win. They're hugging. They're embracing. And there's a fan running up behind them to, like, join in the dog pile. And you see, you notice, like, he's wearing long sleeves, but his sleeves are empty because he doesn't have any arms. So they found this guy. He's like an, an old guy now in Argentina. And he found his story. So he was a little kid in Argentina. He climbed a telephone pole to, like, watch soccer games oh, in his no. neighborhood. And he fell off one day. And he, oh, grabbed, the, he no. grabbed the wire. Got his arms electrocuted. <gasps> had to get him taken off. But he was a soccer fan throughout his whole life. And he, I mean, they showed some clips of him playing soccer without any he's just doing fine you know didn't really need arms to play soccer and um and he was in the stadium that day when argentina won and he rushed the field and the iconic photograph is him lunging forward and his sleeves kind of run forward like his sleeves are kind of embracing a hug and he said like he didn't have the arms to embrace him but his spirit wanted to and this dog had me in tears y'all baby small cry right now it goes through every team and it like like, one team, like, it was France 2002, one in France, and, like, the bus driver felt like he was part of the team, and he asked to hold the trophy, and they let him, and they took, like, a photograph of the bus driver as part of the team, and I just love it. I'm in World Cup fever mode, and that's my current event, just being excited for the World Cup. I have a bracket filled out. I love the new Nigeria um, soccer kit with, like, the, the feathers and the decals, and they have just great uniforms, and yeah. The teams are arriving in Russia, and I'm excited for the games to start on Thursday. 
Yeah. That sounds really nice. I like it. IDGAF about sports normally, but that's a real nice story. I think World Cup's big enough to transcend sports. Yeah, I like human interest stories, and I feel like you get a lot of that in the World Cup. True that. And also, I mean, maybe Shakira will produce another song like Waka Waka one day. Waka Waka? Is this... That's what you produced for the FIFA World Cup in Hmm. 2010? I remember because I was in high school. Was it a straight banger? Waka it was, waka? Um, I'm not sure what country it would really apply for, <laughs> but maybe someday we'll find a reason to use it on this podcast. Um, I'll put a note for that later. Waka Waka, Shakira, straight banger. Everyone else um, knows what it is, so you just a, note, a personal <laughs> note for Brad. Um, and then my only other thing that's really a current event is, you know, Donald Trump, President of the United States of America, and Kim Jong-un, leader of North Korea. They met, they shook hands... Um, I think it's a bright spot where we were like months ago with fire and fury and tweets. So, you know what? I'm excited to see diplomacy, if even at the despot level, happening. That's like the thing is it's hard for me to be really mad about it because it's something. And this isn't a political commentary podcast. I'm going to try really hard to kind of keep my opinions to myself. Um, But yeah, it's a huge thing that's happening and it can be ignored. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting in the future, like, that's a photograph I remember where I was when I first saw it. So, yeah. Nito. All right, do you want to wrap us up, Brad? Thank you so very much for turning in to another episode of The World As We Know It. Catch us next week for our country. Wow. Also, be sure to rate and subscribe us. If you give us a good rating, we'll read it online. And this is an idea that I have, Brad, that I stole from BuzzFeed. Let me know, Kiki, what uh, is it? <laughs> if you give us a rating... We'll read it online, and we'll tell you how hot you are. Based on that rating, Kiki? Yeah, so I'm going to say that it's probably likely that the better the review is, the more likely to be hot you are. And I've got a feeling we have a lot of hot listeners. Wow. So one idea I had. Um, I didn't know those two things were correlated, but the, now that you say it, I believe it. <laughs> um, so be sure to rate and subscribe. And also you can find us on our Twitter, The World Podcast. Uh, follow us there and also on our blog the world as we know it podcast.wordpress.com maybe someday we'll have a different domain that is less lengthy uh, but there you can find all of our sources and links and videos that we've used in each episode and so from us here at the world as we know it podcast ma al salama <laughs>